Hello everybody, Ethan here from the Let's Talk Music podcast. It's just a quick message before the episode starts. Uh, unfortunately with this one we had some audio problems during the recording. Um, so hopefully it shouldn't sound too bad. Um, I'll check back with you guys at the end. Enjoy the episode. Hello everybody and welcome back to Let's Talk Music, the podcast where we break down iconic albums and let you know exactly what we think. I'm Ethan, I'm joined as always by my father Paul and this week's album is Green Day's American Idiot. Um, if you do have any suggestions for future episodes, feel free to give us an email. Uh, that one is at letstalkmusicpodcast at gmail.com. And um, we'll be sure to cover those as soon as we can. Now we are we are back. Yes, we're back. The lockdown blues, hopefully they're all over and it's, it's time. To- yeah, so Green Day's album American Idiot is a concept album almost at its best. Uh, it details one story, that's the story of a man, a character that we will know as Jesus of Suburbia, or J-O-S I've written for short, um, and his friend slash alter ego St. Jimmy and their journey in post 9-11 America. Um, so that's quite a, a topical setting really, isn't it? It's quite, um, especially at the time that they believe this was 2004, yeah, um, it, it, so the, the tracks... Um, the way a lot of, of songwriting work is a lot of the tracks would have been written sort of late 2002, early 2003, rehearsed and then recorded in studio, end of 2003, beginning of 2004. Yeah, this is Green Day's seventh studio album. Um, they dubbed it themselves a, a punk rock opera for the modern day. Um, it's a concept album, as we said, it expresses the disillusionment and dissent of the generation that grew through 9-11 and the Iraqi wars. Um the concept album itself describes a story, as we said, of the central character, the Jesus of Suburbia, um, a bit of an anti-hero. But how do the tricks all, tracks all fit together? And more importantly, are they any good? One hundred percent. So, with that being said, I suppose it's best to uh, to dive in with probably one of the most well-known songs from the album. It is the titular track up first. That is the song "American Idiot." Um, this track, I believe, is the perfect opener. Um, it sets a it's a loud, heavy tone instantly. The song almost feels like it's just a hit piece on Post 9-11 USA as well. Um, almost like it's dragging the whole country through the, the mud. These guys, they don't want to be um, a part of the idiots in the cities that believe in all, all the conspiracies, but they also don't want to be a part of the rednecks either. So they're undecided on, on where they want to be. Well, I think... You know, I, I, I agree that it's a fantastic opening track. Um, it's non-stop, it's toe-tapping rock and roll at its best. Um, it, you know, it drags you in. You just you hear this opening track and you just want to hear the album. It, it's like that. It describes a nation of paranoia led by the media and politicians alike um, and how our characters travel through that field. Yeah, and that's something that we haven't really seen die down, especially we recently had the the Donald Trump fake news cycle and, and everything like that. So, All hail Biden. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and in terms of our story, yeah, Jesus doesn't want to be this American idiot, um, which is a topic that comes up throughout the song. Um, this is almost, it feels like the ideology that pushes him towards the sort of punk lifestyle that, that he ends up going on to be. Uh, the song is easy to listen to for me. Um, and it's definitely easy to sing along with. Um, all you've got to do is shout the words. He shouts quite fast and loud, and you've you've pretty much nailed it. 
Um, and yeah, it, it's on par with other Green Day classics, things like Basket Case and When I Come Around, stuff like that. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, as you mentioned Basket Case, obviously, um, but American Idiot, I suppose, is the iconic Green Day track. It, it's, it's there. It's the one that everybody's heard of, everybody knows. Green Day, oh yeah, they sang American Idiot. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the the logo you associate with Green Day as well, the hand and heart grenade. Yeah. Um, yeah, it this is is Green Day, um, essentially this this song, which um, we're not here really to talk about Green Day today. I suppose we're more here to talk about the story of the man who is known as the Jesus of Suburbia. And with that being said, track two, Jesus of Suburbia. What were your thoughts on this one? Well, track two, as you say, um, this is the one that introduces our main character. Um, a slightly slower track, but which combines. Um, combines continues to maintain it's very punkish overtones um yeah again it's one of those it's a good track you can move along to it you can sing along to it it keeps you flowing with the album and you're happy that it's going on yeah yeah definitely so jesus of suburbia uh, for those of you that don't know is a nine minute five part rhapsody um every section is at a different speed sound and pace uh, which is what keeps the attention throughout the song um it's very hard to keep someone's attention for nine minutes, especially in song form. Um, when they wrote the song and started performing it first, Billy Joe Armstrong, lead singer of Green Day, um, really said that he was inspired and set out to make a bohemian rhapsody for a new generation. Um, this is something that we've discussed off mic already. Um, I think he doesn't do a bad job at it. I don't think that he makes something that is as musically a masterpiece as Bohemian Rhapsody. But in terms of making something of a similar um, sort of style for a similar different, di- a similar but different genre as well, um, I think he does just that personally. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the Bohemian Rhapsody debate is is something that will go on forever. Um, it was people originally said that it was something so original, so you know, never been done before, um, but it had. Um, th- there had been uh, fanfare for the common man. Um, there had been Freebird by Leonard Skinner, tracks that were along the same ilk. Bohemian Rhapsody come along and blew them all out of the water. It was something completely, you know, on a par on its own. And to this day, there are there, there have been um, people that have tried to do similar things. Um, if you're into the sort of music I'm into, you'll know of a song called Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Um, obviously, there's Jesus of Suburbia. Now, those tracks, great tracks they are. Um, do they come, you know? Do do they compete with Bo Rap? Possibly not. I, you know, I, I still think Bo Rap is going to be an iconic thing on its own for a long way. It's going to depend on the sort of debate on the audience and who's listening and what they're listening to at the time. Um, so, with that being said, obviously I mentioned it was a five-part rhapsody. Um, so let's take a, a bit of a deep dive into all five parts. Um, so the song really is our introduction to Jesus, and that is part one. Um, he explains exactly who he is, tells us that he's the son of rage and love, two themes that come come along quite a lot, I feel, in the album in, in general. Um, it's also sort of our glimpse of, of where he is at this time. Um, he mentions uh, the way that he's, also, he's almost in this Catch-22 paradox, where he believes every, if every, if this is how everything's meant to be 
then this is who I'm supposed to be. Why would I change? I'm I'm exactly who I am, which is something that, that we maybe find out throughout the album isn't correct. Um, but it also puts this picture of, of America at the time in our heads, uh, the line that stands out there, in the land of make-believe that doesn't believe in me. It's like that's how uh, a lot of people were feeling, in, especially in that era of America. Um, so when they were looking to capture that sort of feeling, I, th I think that's something they do perfectly just within the first verse of this song. Um, so, yeah, part one. Thoughts on part one? No, as, as you say, it, it is one of those. It's, it's the introduction to the character. It's the introduction to the background of what's going on in the world at the time. It, it's done... Um, yeah, you know, it, it's done in the best way possible that... That, that for a band of this ilk are going to do, um, it's not. Um, if you a lot, you get a lot of confusion when people talk about punk and they think about you know um, the, the very early days back in the seventies and all, all that with the Sex Pistols and the Clash and the Damned. Well, I don't think um, the lyrics and the choice of lyrics and the way things are put together here by Green Day they're not quite as anti-disestablishment. They're not quite as, as um, rebellious. It, it is a. It, it is rebellious, but it's not against all and sundry. It's just against, the, as I say, as they describe themselves, that this is an act against the paranoia created by the media um, and the American politicians at the time. Yeah, it's almost like the original punk movement was very much like all about the government, wasn't it? And it was like, this is what we're angry at. It almost feels like this is just angry at, at the society they're in, but not a single part of it. Um, obviously the media paranoia is something that came up huge as well as the um, Iraqi war just after the attacks um, and everything like that and it's something that, that they really do um, drive home throughout the album but we'll get back to Jesus first um, <clears throat> so the second part of the song is, is uh, titled City of the Damned um, which is where we find out about where Jesus lives he lives in the suburbs of a place called Jingletown in Oakland, California um, that's something that I read up, which is actually a real place, which, um, great town name, by the way, Jingle Town. It's almost like it was, it was made there just so somebody yeah. could make a rock opera about for, this for place. One month, for one month a year, Jingle Town and Jingle Bells. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, this tells us all about the small suburbs. Um, a big thing that, that comes up is probably the, the keystone of, of the community, the place where everyone hangs out, which just so happens to be a 7-Eleven. Um, and it seems like that's that's where Jesus hangs about. That's where he gets his ideas of the world from this, this small shop in a small beat-up town in Oakland, California. Yeah. Um, part three, pretty self-explanatory. It's called I Don't Care. Um, and it's quite clear if you ever read the lyrics to this song, um, there is nothing else to say about this other than he doesn't care. Um, and I think we get the point there after the first, maybe second or third round of I don't cares. I th I th yeah, and I, I think this is something that you can be can be taken out of concept. Actually, I mean, the, the I don't care is, you know, he's being told by the government, by the media, this is how it is, this is how it should be, this is what you should be doing, and his answer to all of that paranoia and all of that um, deliberation f from those sources is, cough, I don't care. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. And in, in almost the second part of this, this one piece, um, he goes on almost a rant, doesn't he? Um, he goes on a rant addressing everybody. 
Um, they draw a lot of comparisons during this song, which I find very interesting. Um, the main one being in I Don't Care, when he mentions about um, we are the kids of war and peace from Anaheim to the Middle East. Yeah, It's like, look, we, we've all grown up on the same thing here, yet we've all had such different experiences. Um, and it's almost like it, it feels like that's a call to arm to them all. It's like maybe if we work together, the the people that are being caught in crossfires and coming up and under this same, this same war that we don't really understand. If we all work together, maybe we can get a nice end to this. Um, so yeah, it it sort of it really emphasizes that. It also draws the comparisons of our character later on as well. Um, obviously, the character is called Jesus of Suburbia, obviously heavily tied to. The, the Messiah of the Christianity religion, Jesus. Um, and also drawing the, the context there with the Middle East as well, and we, we know that's a completely different religion um, with different beliefs, but but it's almost like a comparison piece there, just about all of them, um, to the point where he finishes, we are, the, we are the disciples of suburbia or something like that, aren't we, isn't it? We are the disciples of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like he's trying to lead a revolution that's worldwide, not just this small thing. What feels like a small thing in his head is something much bigger on paper. Mm. Um, yeah, then we get to Dearly Beloved. So it, this is almost like a, a whole wrap-up of the story here. Um, Dearly Beloved, we know it's about a girl. Um, but we also feels like it's Jesus asking if his strange thoughts are normal or just a representative of his psychosis. Um, it almost feels like it's a letter to two recipients, the first being the dearly beloved, um, but the second being a letter to his therapy. Um, and it's, it almost draws that, that there. He's just asking if this is normal. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of those. I mean, at, at that time period in, in life, um, when the album was written, it, a lot of people in America were questioning um, what was going on, why it was going on. Very much the same as back in the um, late 50s, early 60s, when they questioned what was going on with the Vietnam War. It was a very similar um, undertones, um, yeah, and a very similar cry. As you say, people of the suburbs come together and unite. Let's stop the, the you know, the big city warmongers. Yeah. You know, and, and let's uh, live the world in peace. Yeah, and it's something that comes up without this album. We'll talk about the next track in just a minute, which is Holiday. Um, and the the ties, that seems to get linked with a lot of the uh, the songs that come out around the Vietnam War time, all about, do we have to do this? That You know, all of the songs that you, you know by great artists like Clear... 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 Creepers Clearwater Revival. That's is that the what one, to say? yep. <laughs> and some of the Jimi Hendrix songs and things like that. Holiday gets a bit of a link to those. Um, but our last part of the song, Jesus of Suburbia... Um, is just about the broken home he, gr he grows up in and that's what sort of leads him to go on this mission of rebellion and hatred for everything, really. Yeah, that, that's one of those. That is a common theme in a lot of um, rock songs that, that become operatic, become extended. They do go back and they talk about broken homes and, you know, in fact, going back to that other one that we mentioned earlier, that's where it all begins. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, this album is like a journey um, and you really get the sense of that journey. So the next stop on that journey is the song Holiday, which was mentioned about 35 seconds ago. <laughs> um, 
this track is mostly a sort of an anti-war protest song uh, with some specific mentions against the Bush administration and the war going on across that time period of America. Um, it almost urges people to stand to, to take a stand against war in Iraq rather than just ignore it, um, which is something, with it being so far away from America itself, it almost felt like it's something that was happening, and maybe even to us over here as well, in a good old United Kingdom. Once once we got involved, it, it felt like it was somewhere so far away that you know, you'd hear about it, but it wasn't something that people were just taking a stand against, and that's almost what this song is. This song's almost like a call to arms. Um, regarding our story, uh, the lyrics show how Jesus of Suburbia left his town and is now just living his life on the streets. Have, he's having a good time at first. Um, he's having lots of fun, just chilling out on the streets, drinking, doing all sorts. Um, but it almost feels like he's sort of trying to trying to convince himself that he left for a good reason and why he left was good. Um, especially towards the end of the song. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, the, I suppose the the strong message for Holiday really is the anti-war protest, and that's quite <laughs> clear. It's made very clear at, at certain points as well, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I did make a point um, when this came up, and I I looked at the um, back at the sleeve work, and Holiday is actually it's the first of four tracks that are twins. Um, so when you read the sleeve, it actually says Holiday forward slash uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. It takes it all as one track. Now, without um, going into to too much of what Ethan was is already reiterating for you, when I started listening to, to Holiday, I just got stuck in my head that that song, that track itself, that part, it's staying out for the summer. It, it's a complete rip-off of a classic... Um, 70s tune was it 70s or 80s yeah 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 of an earlier tune um not to say that it was badly done um and nothing like that the lyrics were you know it, it is a song in its own right the basic tune the basic um bars played it it, it was staying out for the summer and it, I, I once i got that into my head i got lost a little bit and i was like oh yeah blimey, um so that happens <laughs> i'm afraid to the best of us so yeah this is the first, as we say, of four twin tracks. The second half of which, of course, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Well, this is more of a power ballad. Um, it's got style. Um, it's more, you know, it's not the sort of track at first you would expect, um, or you would have heard before on this album, or even before possibly from Green Day. It, it was a track that came out um, almost out of the blue for them, and, and, and the way it was done, the way it was recorded. So, yeah, that's what I put. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Boulevard of Broken Dreams, really it details issue roaming the... Sh uh, Jesus, sorry, roaming the streets. Yeah. Um, so this is very much the flip side to the holiday that, that he was on where everything was fun and games. Now he's he's on his own, he's got nowhere to go, nothing to do. Um, he's completely come down from the excitement and... Um, He's just surrounded by strangers. This realisation is what pushes him to the emotional breaking point. Um, Jesus is driven to borderline insanity and it is there we meet St. Jimmy. Um, but, yeah, it, like, it, this is the sort of song, and later on in, in Green Day's career when they release things like um, Good Riddance, Time of Your Life, and 
and uh, even later on on the album, this wake me up when September ends. It's sort of like these slow things that you wouldn't expect from a band like Green yeah. Day when you listen to the first couple of albums. Um, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, fun fact, actually one of the band's most successful songs. It peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and won the Grammy for Record of the Year in 2006. Yeah. So if that doesn't tell you it's a good song, I don't know what will. Me. <laughs> um, so yeah, track five. Our next song is um, Are We The Waiting? Uh, this is like a, a soliloquy. So it's where Jesus meditates on his current state. He's talking to himself almost. Um, it's slow paced and emotional, backed by Trey calls pounding drums. Uh, the lyrics show how Jesus is really losing his mind following uh, following on from the topic of loneliness, which we've just discovered. Jesus is a very lonely man. Um, it doubles down, really, on the feelings of Jesus at the time. Um, the chorus feels like almost a, a, a chant, almost, um, constantly asking us the same question, are we the waiting unknown? Um but yeah, it plays well, this song. I quite like it. It almost is a mellow break. We get what comes next is an explosion almost. And um, as mentioned before, with the tracks cutting into each other, this one, probably the best example of it on the album is the way that we go from this soft sort of are we the way in chant chorus straight into pounding drums and loud guitars. Yeah, it. Are we the waiting? And of course, the, the the twin track that it follows with is Saint Jimmy. Now, musically, as you said, Are We the Waiting is a much slower track. Um, it, it builds, um, and he is. It is one of those tracks. He's, it's a man pondering. It's a man asking the questions, um, and, and that that is exactly what it is. And that's you know exactly what he wants you to feel. He wants you to think and to ponder and think about what you're doing. You know, in, in your own life, in your own style, you know, your own time, because. These questions, as we all know, they're not solved at the end of the war or at the end of the, end of the time. They're continually asked, which is why wars rage across the planet, you know, um, every day. Um, as you say, it goes on to the, the track St. Jimmy, which is, is, is his um, alter ego. Um, but it moves into that track at breakneck speed. It, it, it's back. This is, all, you know, this is back to the typical fast-paced punk rock track that we expect um and it's one of those it's almost st jimmy itself is is that hardcore it's a hark back to punk's heyday in the 70s and it's a track that the british the british listener will be proud of if not the americans yeah so st jimmy shows us jesus has has finally gone he's lost his mind the loneliness has manifested into rage and he now has an alter ego the mr Hyde to his dr jekyll um, which is the character of St. Jimmy. The two previous tracks were slow and thoughtful. This one, uh, the the tone of these two tracks just get absolutely obliterated um, by St. Jimmy and his rebellious course. Uh, this marks a pivotal moment in the album and the story of Jesus of Suburbia, and with that it is that we reach the sort of midpoint of the album. Um, so the first half, I think, has played out quite well. They've spent a lot of time building the character and the story. Um, and now we're about to see that all sort of come to a head um, with our next track, which is Give Me Novocaine. Yep. 
Um, so give me Novocaine is just about Jesus wanting to take drugs to relieve him of the stress of his life. Poor thing. Um, and he's asking for reassurance to do so from his alter ego, St. Jimmy, which is probably, from what we know about St. Jimmy, the worst person to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, the instrumentality goes slowly throughout the music with this one. Um, it explodes into the choruses, whilst the lyrics show Jesus asking for help before raging with St. Jimmy, who eventually turns to Novocaine to numb the pain, which is a very good rhyme there. Mm-hmm. To all the future rappers out there that want to some free bars there's one <laughs> again it's another change of pace and style and it's th- this track really shows the, the quality of musicianship of this band there is actually definitely more to green day than you first think um what else did I put? that's about all i put actually on that <laughs> yeah so this track also could be seen as uh, jesus of suburbia trying to suppress his own personality so he can become saint jimmy which is who he ultimately wants to be. It's where he feels comfortable. Um, this track rolls on to another one, and that track is She's a Rebel, yep. um, which is almost the introduction of a new character. Well, it is an introduction of a new character, really. Um, Jesus of Suburbia meets a free-spirited, rebellious woman um, who he would go on to fall in love with, bless him. So, see, there's those, those key topics of rage and love combining together again. Um... The song tells us all about her and her strong-willed personality and her willingness to protest and rebel for her beliefs. Uh, We later learn this character is a character called What's-Her-Name, a name that will be explained, I suppose, later on in the album. Um, But yeah, She's a Rebel. It's almost quite head-boppy, that song I found listening through to it. Um, He actually says the line, holding onto my heart like a hand grenade which, as we know, um, so the documentary about the album was called um, Heart Like a Hand Grenade. The album's sleeve is the heart like a hand grenade. Um, so just getting that mentioned in the in the music really sort of doubles down on, on this thought of rage and love and, and these two themes being the main ones behind the, the journey of Jesus of Suburbia. Um, so, yeah, she's a rebel. Okay, <laughs> track six, it then moves on. Again, another one of these twin tracks. Extraordinary Girl um, was originally titled Radio Baghdad, and it's a surprisingly more radio-friendly track um, and complements the narrative that we're following. Um, it was The reason it, it, it turns out when you look into the history of, of what the band were doing at the time um, it was made more radio friendly by the record, you know, with the um, advice of the record company, as it was what they intended to be the single from the album. Um, however, as a single, it was never released. <laughs> yeah, um, which doesn't surprise me really, because I think it, it works really well with "She Is a Rebel." Yeah, and this fact of this is still an introduction to a character. We've learnt one side, now we're about to learn the other. Um, so this song shows how Jesus has fallen in love with what's her name um and especially the attitude the rebellious punk attitude that she has Uh, the track compares both characters and shows what's her name as this strong-willed woman while showing jesus of suburbia as this weak and depressed man with no goals Uh, what's her name was originally attracted to saint jimmy we learn um the rebel inside of jesus of suburbia which has now been suppressed by the loner psyche of jesus of suburbia the two end up together but it doesn't really work at all 
Um, and the song also shows the dark, sad side of what's her name. Something we didn't see, and she is a rebel. Um, so yeah, it, it, this is the the relationship. So we've been introduced to the character. Now we've now we see the relationship, and this ultimately um, doesn't end well for us, um, as we would go on to find out in the next track, uh, which is a track called Letter Bomb. Another theme there of. Of the war, I suppose. Yeah, it's, as I said, with the tracks being twinned, Letter Bomb is the second part. Um, extraordinary Girl slash Letter Bomb, we move on. The second part, Letter Bomb, this starts to rev up the album a touch. Um, it starts to get you thinking again. It starts to get you back into the more punky attitude. Um, yeah, and, and that is the, you know, the thing that the, 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 I suppose, the punks of the time of the generation, that's what they were looking for. Yeah. Yeah, so Letter Bomb is... is Almost a letter, funnily enough, presented by what's the name to Jesus of Suburbia. Um, it's what she writes to him when they break up. Um, she leaves Jesus of Suburbia, believing him to be too self-destructive and melodramatic, which is something that um, I'm sure if we've all listened to to the album, we can definitely agree on. That is that is a trait Jesus of Suburbia definitely has. Um, the lyrics make this clear uh, in the chorus. What's her name says basically your problems aren't over till you're dead, um, and it's not my my problem. That's a that sounds like a you problem. Yeah. So we essentially um, are left with a a breakup there. Um, she also explains to Jesus of Suburbia and Saint Je- that Jesus of Suburbia and Saint Jimmy are the same person. And Saint Jimmy is just a result of the the childhood of Jesus of Suburbia. Those the tales from that broken home we hear about in Jesus of Suburbia. Yeah. Funnily yeah. enough, uh, this is also mixed with the realization Jesus of Suburbia with a realization. Jesus of Suburbia realizes at the end of this song that he is now the American idiot. <laughs> yeah. If you hear uh, one of the last lyrics of the song, is that made you the idiot America. Um, before going on to tell him about how it's all his fault and it's all his problem and it's nothing to do with you. Um, so, yeah, this everything he fought for almost, all the social norms that he, he fought so much that he is now as ignorant and arrogant as the stereotype he describes at the beginning. Yeah, and that, that's, you know, that's an ongoing theme in a lot of albums where you have these, these characters who, who you know portray that they don't want to be something... You get halfway through the album and they are the something they don't want to be and on a good album they come out the other end of it and they uh, hopefully uh, rescind their lives yeah and it's something that is a, a theme in lots of media I know there's the famous quote from the Batman film uh, you know you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain Yeah. and that's something that we see as a journey in media as a whole um, but especially in this album it's something that we see just here now um, our next track actually has no connection to the story whatsoever. Um, <laughs> our next track is Wake Me Up When September Ends. Um, this song is all about singer Billy Joe Armstrong and his father who passed away on September 1st, 1982. Um, obviously, many seem to believe the song is related to 9-11. Um, however, this is untrue. The song was originally meant to be on an album that came out in 2002, uh, which means that the likelihood is the song would have been written early 2001 before uh, the terror attacks, which I can really see why they would may postpone that. 
Um, the album it was supposed to go on flopped massively. It was called Shenanigans. Um, so really saving it for a later date has probably worked out in their favour. Um, of course, there always will be the ties because it just so happens to be that time it was written and that time it came out. Um, but according to Billy Joe Armstrong himself, that's what the, the story is all about. Yeah, it is. Now, um, for those people who, who, who love delving into, you know, almost modern day American history, and you, you think of the 9-11 attacks and media articles, programs that have, that have been on since. Now, I became a fan of, of the CSI series many, many years ago when it all first started in um, Las Vegas. And about three, four years after the 9-11 attacks, um, they released CSI New York and this song is played um, I think it's the one of the opening scenes in episode one where the, the hero of the piece is walking through um, the, the Twin Towers because he'd, he'd been on duty at the time and this song is playing in the background um, and it's things like that that have drawn it into that, that, that you know perspective of people believing that this is what it's all about where actually it's not it fits, but yeah. it's not. Um, I would say, personally, uh, you know, what can you say about the, this particular track other than it is, you know, the, it's it's a classic track, it's an honest track, and yet it should be the the, the continuing anthem for nine eleven. It, it does give them something, you know, because of the lyrics. There are many many songs in history. It go back to um, the first Sport Aid with Run the World. Well, you know, everybody knows Tears for Fears didn't write that song for Sport Aid because it was a hit 10 years before. And this, again, is a similar sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, so, yeah, it's one of those songs that now now has a link and um, the band have never said that's a bad thing, so we'll just treat it exactly the same. Yeah, it wasn't written for that purpose, but hey. Yeah, allegedly... Um, the title of the track and the chorus Wake Me Up When September Ends is something that Billy Joe Armstrong said to his mum after the passing of his father. However, this has never been confirmed and I can understand that. That maybe seems like big words. Um, I don't know how old Billy Joe Armstrong would have been in the 80s, but um, yeah. There's, so there's a fun fact <laughs> for you there. Um, this takes us on to Homecoming. Um, this is where the story really comes full circle. It is, yes. And mus- musically, Homecoming is very well balanced. Um, it's well balanced on the album. The two protagonists clash, um, you know, and they're looking for their homecoming. But of course, when you remember the two protagonists clashing, are the same person. Yeah. Um, so this is the true climax of the rock opera that is American Idiot. Um, with the three main members of Green Day, that's uh, Trey Cool, Billy Joe Armstrong, yeah, and the bass player. Yeah, what's that mean? Mike Dern. There we go. Um, so they all wrote a bit for this song. Billy Joe Armstrong wrote the the majority, obviously. Um, with Trey Cool writing the part "Rock and Roll Girlfriend" and bassist Mike Dern penning "Nobody Likes You." Um, which is quite a funny thing to write about a band member, I suppose, isn't it? Because um, the theory is um, from the stage show, looking back at it now, they released a stage show um, of this album, and Billy Joe Armstrong plays the character of St. Jimmy, which, as we know, is also Jesus of Suburbia anyway. 
So, in a way, I don't want to be the guy that stirs the pot, but I don't think he likes you, Billy. Um, but no, you, you, yeah, he penned that that sort of part of the song. Um, yeah, we see Saint Jimmy die in the beginning, basically. Um, he kills off the second personality, or does the second personality technically kill himself? Um, but yeah, so Jesus, uh, Saint Jimmy is gone now. Jesus of Suburbia comes to this normal man um, working a an honest job. Um, almost a contrast from Jesus of Suburbia. Um, I don't care turns into nobody cares in this song. Um, so we see everything flip again. Uh, that's the first part. The second part sees Dance, nobody likes you. He details the thing that made Jesus Suburbia lose his mind before he is all alone again with nobody to turn to. So it's almost a full circle journey again. Uh, tying up a lot of loose ends, I felt in this song. Yeah, well, it, as it should be, as I say, you know, th- this is the story. This is the journey going full circle. You know, he's gone from not wanting to be the American idiot to being the American idiot. Yeah, getting back out again. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, the next part, rock and roll girlfriend. This is a message from a former friend of Saint Jimmy. Uh, the character details how he still lives the rock and roll lifestyle. He's got a new girlfriend and another ex-wife and he's got kids in New York and kids on the bay but he hasn't smoked or drank the thing in over 22 days so good job to him <laughs> uh, but he really details it almost like he's rubbing it into St. Jimmy mm. um, which then makes the sort of contrast um, of nobody cares and stuff like that well nobody cares that part with that because that comes just after the letter doesn't it mm. I believe. So it's almost like, yeah, I don't care about your lifestyles anymore. Yeah. Like, full circle. Um, we hear things come full circle, I've written here. Um, when sang like a marching anthem is home, we're coming home again. Yeah. And Jesus makes his journey back to good old Jingle Town, Oakland, California. <laughs> um, the journey is complete. The prodigal son has returned. Yeah, but the story's not quite over. No, it's not, because we still have a little bit of reflection when we come full circle, and there's a character we met earlier, and we don't know what's going on anymore. Um, Which leads us to our last song, where Jesus is back at home, living in normality, and the only thing weighing on his mind is him losing what's-her-name. And uh, it's been so long that he can actually remember her name. Yeah. At this point. (laughs) Um, But he wonders what happened to her. And so do we all. Um, This is explicitly clear. The chorus is, I remember the face, but I can't recall the name. Now I wonder how What's Her Name has been. Yeah. Yeah, What's Her Name as as a track, it it begins with a a much more funky vibe. And and as you say, it brings all the album's characters together and brings the stories to a close. Um, As each, it's hoped, um, finds their own coming of age because uh, that's where it is. It's a coming of age song, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's where it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the album ends with Jesus still trying to forget her in the end. You know, he made a point to burn all the photographs. He I, wants to forget hey, her. All I, I've got two ex wives like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's her name almost feels like she is the one that got away for Jesus. Yeah. Um, she's the one that he thinks about. But doesn't think about her in that much detail because yeah. he can't remember her name. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, the album, yeah, overall, I really like it. Um, well, I like the story. I like how it's played out. But okay, so uh, uh, let's give you a bit of an insight, listeners. The album, overall, this album contains three classic cuts straight away, without a shadow of a doubt. They're in there. Um, sadly, it does get a little bit disjointed in the middle as they stack tracks together with this twinning of tracks. Um, however, what I will say is the story and the way the story travels and unfolds is a saving grace through that part. All right. Um, in the most, this is a good album and we hope that you all enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Green Day have done amazing, an amazing job at capturing what a concept album should feel like. You know, it's fairly continual. It's everything that you want from a, a straight story. I can see how they could make it into a stage show. Um, I can see how that, that would work as its own sort of musical as well. Let me let me just say, like, you talk about concept albums and how the concept album works and how it should run through. Um, with a, It's a narrative of a story. Yeah. And a story that you should somebody should then be able to visualise and turn into like a... A stage show or a, a film or whatever. There have been some really bad concept albums that have become good films. There have been some really great concept albums that have become naff films. Um, picking your brains out straight away, the original Blues Brothers soundtrack, yeah, great film. As a concept album, the idea was lousy. Then, on the other foot, you look at things like Tommy. Tommy is the ultimate um, concept album. That is the ultimate story. That is the one that works the best. Um, Quadrophenia, again, same group, by the Who. As a concept album, it was pretty disjointed. It was pretty messed up. The film was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's how it works. For me, on a package, this album, um, would I like to see this turn into a major motion picture? Yeah, I would. Because I think it's got a really good story and a really strong story. And I, yeah, it is one of those. It is up there as a concept and a story, of, it, it, a complete story throughout the album, then it would be a 10 out of 10 every time because that's what it is. It's supposed to be a story. It's supposed to tell you how it goes. And it does exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it is something they've done very well. It's consistent. It's emotional. It really pulls yeah. at the heartstrings. Uh, the music is perfect for the emotion they're trying to capture as well. For I don't the emotion think... and the time period as well. You've yeah. got to put the time period into perspective there. Yeah, I don't think there's a song on this album that wouldn't fit on this album, musically or lyrically. Maybe Wake Me Up no, When September no, Ends, I don't think there is. Um, which is almost like we spoke about um, in the Black Parade video, Teenagers, um, and that being on the in the middle of the Black Parade yeah. doesn't really fit, not really related, but... No. You can see why they put it there. Yeah. Um, it's nice to have a little break from things at a time. But Wake Me Up When September Ends doesn't really change the the pacing of the, the album either. We're already in that sort of mood yeah. as that track hits. Um, we like to give these albums overall scores. Yeah. Um, it's something that becomes quite competitive between albums. Literally <laughs> nobody else in the world cares about this but us. So we're yeah. going to carry on with it. Uh, for me, American Idiot, 8 out of 10. You're saying 8 out of 10? I'm saying 8 out of 10. Yeah, I th as, as I said, I, I did think it got a little bit disjointed with all the stacking of tracks. But again, it's an iconic 8 out of 10. Yes, yeah, there we go. So we actually agree for a change. That's 16 out of 20. Yeah. 
overall. I don't know if yep. you've still got the rundown of the others. I have still got the rundown of the others somewhere. I Where does dig that? Them, I'll dig them out. I'll dig them out. You carry on, carry on with this and I'll dig them out. So this is like a really big thing for us. We oh. we really sort of care about how these work. Well, when you think some of the albums that we've looked at in the past, and uh, and as you say, we, we rate them 8 out of 10 or, you know, however we decide to rate them and we give them all iconic scores. Iconic scores. At the moment, our top two albums are Black Parade by My Chemical Romance and Highway to Hell at ACDC with a and we butt it down to an average yes yeah yeah with a 7 out of 10 but if we've both given this 8 out of 10 then the average is 8 out of, eight 10. Out of 10 yeah so, so this yeah. will become the most iconic album we've looked at so far today so there we go okay everyone Ethan back again and thank you all to, for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Music podcast um Hopefully you guys did enjoy that one. Of course, as always, everything will be linked in the description below. That's the Spotify link for the album, um, as well as everything else, really. Um, if you do have any suggestions for any future episodes, please do feel free to email us. That one is let's talk music podcast at gmail.com. Um, alternatively, we're contactable on our Facebook page. That's www.facebook.com forward slash let's talk music. Um, and yeah, we look forward to seeing you all again soon.